0: Well, good morning. My name's Caleb. I'm the lead pastor here, and we are continuing in a series this morning called Things I Wish Jesus Never Said. And one of those things that maybe some of us wish that Jesus hadn't said has to do with worry. And specifically, it is this. Jesus said, that is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, to which some of you might reply... Yeah, right, that's funny, Jesus. Uh, there are some things that probably should be worried about. And you can't blame me for worrying over those kinds of things. This is just a part of life. But Jesus says, no, you don't need to worry. And as difficult as that might be to interact with, to try to get our minds around, would you suspend disbelief this morning and consider that it just might be possible? Now, for fun, I'd like to ask you to play along with me, and we're going to create this spectrum here. This is the worry spectrum, and if you're like me, I tend to think that I'm not much of a worrier, but that's just code for uh, I'm more on the, like, the concerned side of the spectrum. So on this side, let's just call this mildly concerned that's when an issue, something that comes up, it's, it's more just a little bit irritating, concerning, or uh, I, I'm distracted a little bit in my mind, but I'm not like full-on worried, right? As we go down this continuum, uh, this one we'll call anxiety, So this is when you're like admitting, yeah, I'm anxious about this thing, or yeah, sure, I am a little bit worried. This is when I start walking around and just like popping food into my mouth. Just whatever I see, I'm pacing, I'm eating, maybe you're shopping. Uh, This is anxiousness, all right? You know something about that probably. And on this end of the spectrum, we call this freaking out. And this is where you're experiencing some level of paralysis. You just can't function. It's so far gone. There's so much anxiety, so much worry that you can't even function in normal things because it's that crazy and your mind is that uh, preoccupied. So this isn't an issue for you guys, I'm sure, but why don't we just throw out things that normal humans in Orange County might be worried about. And then we'll decide where they fit on this spectrum. What do you think? Money. Money. That's the first and echoed. Where do you want to put money on this spectrum? Freaking out. out. So money, (laughs) money is over here and we're embracing it wholeheartedly. What else? Relationships. Relationships. Where do you want to see that? Anxiety. Anxiety. So so maybe... On the verge of freaking out. Those are people. That's relationships. That's where we are put that. It's producing some anxiety in our life. Uh, what else are you afraid of or worried about? Did you say traffic? Traffic? We're going to, okay, traffic. Those are three lights, okay? Traffic, we traffic's there. What else? Jobs, Jobs so work. Uh, work, what else? Bill. Health. Health. Bill. Bills. Teenagers. kids, kids, we're freaking out, or we aren't, but there's humans in Orange County that tend to freak out over our kids, so this is normal stuff, this is stuff that produces anxiety, it produces worry in our lives, now here's the thing, all of this, even if you think you live, live over here on the Mildly concerned side, all of this is worry. It's all worry. And Jesus says, Don't worry. He says, Don't. You don't have to. And that might seem impossible, it might seem crazy, and especially if you're not even sure that you believe anything about Jesus or you're not a Jesus follower. It might seem ridiculous but would you just consider suspending disbelief for a few minutes? And even if you don't follow Jesus, this whole idea of getting some freedom from worry and anxiety, it might be enough to tip you over the edge and you might want to know more about this Jesus guy after all. So we're going to look at a famous sermon that Jesus gave. It's famously called the Sermon on the Mount. It's found in Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7. We're going to look at chapters 6, and it's just a little piece, a one little lesson from this famous Sermon on the Mount that Jesus gave. And I see four different themes just in this one little lesson that I want to spotlight for us. The first one is to, that your life is more. And here's where I get this from verse 25. That is why I tell you, Jesus says, not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food or drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Here's something that's important to remember is that this is the first century that Jesus is living in and talking and speaking with people. And they had concerns over food and water and clothing. Because how many outfits do you think that those people had? One. One, maybe a couple. If they were really wealthy, they might have had a, you know, a few different shirts lined up. But it was mainly the one big toga thing is what you might look at it as. And if you spilled wine on it, it's a bummer because it's all you got. And so people did worry about clothing in that day. And they worried about food because you ate what you killed. And you had to go and find your food or plant and harvest. and You had to grow it and kill it if you were going to eat it. And then water was a big one because water, it it came from wells and you would have to go and find the well and draw from the well and what if the well ran dry? And the next closest well was miles away. Water was an issue and you might look back at this and you might think, oh, first century problems. That's just not even relevant to me. But imagine that the first century people could look into your heart and mind and see the things that you're anxious about. That, That little Johnny... Little Johnny, he, he got waitlisted at the preschool. So now he's not going to get into the special kindergarten that prepares him for the advanced classes at the preparatory school after that. And if he doesn't get into that school, his odds of getting into USC greatly diminish. And if he doesn't get into USC, then he might go to some lesser school in the area. And then he might find himself hooked on drugs and living on a sailboat. we catastrophize, we assume the worst, we, we dramatize, and we worry, and we get anxious. And did you know that the things that we worry about and get anxious about, studies have been done. Ironically, a study at UCLA was done <laughs> that produced the following findings that 97%, that's what they said, 97% of the things we worry about don't come to pass. Don't don't even ever happen. And yet we worry. And Jesus says, "Come on, come on, come on. Your life is more than this. It's more than this. So refuse to let worry limit your life. Refuse to let worry limit your life." I imagine the disciples that are listening to Jesus talk. One might have objected. Hey, it's easy for you to say, miracle God who just makes bread appear out of nowhere, feeds thousands of people, to which Jesus might reply, exactly, exactly. And I am your miracle God. He continues, here's a second theme that I see is, your value is higher and he uses birds as an, as an example. Verse 26, look at the birds, he says. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? Can they? Can all your worries and anxiousness, can it add anything to your experience of life? It can't. Like our guy in the video. Would it help? And the answer is always no. I want to show you a slide. What has worry done for you lately? Now play with me and respond if you will. Has it added a single hour to your life? No, it hasn't. Has it driven the people you love crazy? Yes. Some of you need to get real with that fact. It's driving the people you love bonkers. Has it distracted you from the present moment? Yeah. And lastly, has it added any value to what you value most? No. It hasn't. It isn't, and it won't. Jesus references birds. He's I imagine that there's like literally birds overhead, uh, especially since I've been to Israel and in that area around the Sea of Galilee, there's a, it's a migration zone. So these birds would be flying through a couple of times of year, and it might have been that time. And so he might have been looking at hundreds of thousands of birds, seeing them travel, and see, and pointing out to the people saying, "God feeds all of them. He feeds them all. And they don't plant. They don't harvest." They don't prepare, they don't put money away, and yet he feeds them all. You, on the other hand, can plant, you can harvest, you can save, you can anticipate hard times coming, put some money away, allocate some resources for the future, do things, make stuff happen, you can prepare, and still you worry? How much more will God take care of you? These are just birds and he feeds them. Not only will he take care of you even more so, but he's also given you the capacity to plan and prepare and to save and to put away and anticipate and to think through. Now, I know that some of you have jobs where your very livelihood is based on a worst case scenario and anticipating it and preparing in advance, right? We get that and yet it's still maybe all the more important for you. To live in that tension of taking care of business and still trusting God. Of knowing that you can be prepared and still not panicked. So, if God says that you're far more valuable than these birds of the air, then part of this process of getting free from worry and anxiety is embracing our value. Embrace your value. Some of you think that other people in this room are more valuable than you. And I get it's because of how you grew up and things that happened to you and confusion about your identity and value and stuff like that. And yet, you're wrong. It's not true. You are as valuable as anybody else. You are as valuable as me and anybody sitting around you. And Jesus says, how much more valuable are you than all of the other created created things that God sustains all around you all the time? Embrace your value. Here's the third theme that I see in this lesson, that your God is bigger. Verse 28 says, and why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon, who was like the most wealthy king of all time, in all of his glory was not dressed as beautiful as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for the wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? God knows you. God has you. God is for you. What if you could turn from worry into wonder? What if you could shift from worry and anxiety about the things that you're wrestling with to wonder and awe that the God of the whole universe, who keeps everything turning, holds galaxies in his hands, is attentive to your everyday needs? That same God, he knows what you need. Before you ask, before you even get there, he has anticipated it. He specializes in meeting your needs. What if that produced wonder in you? awe, and just the wow. God, I don't know how you're gonna work this out because this seems like a mess, but I trust that you will. And wow, it's gonna be fun to watch you do it. So decide where you'll put your Trust. In what you can control, or in the God who is ultimately the only one in control. I was thinking this week about things that make me anxious or things that I've worried about, just let's just say in the last month. And I got worried over my LASIK eye surgery, so I was pacing around the house thinking, oh my gosh, what am I doing? What am I doing? My eyes, I like my glasses just fine. Contact lenses, I'm used to them. 21 years, why am I doing this? Why am I? And I was so, like had so much nervous energy that Hillary finally just told me to leave. I was like, my appointment's not for like two more hours. She goes, that's okay. You can just go. Why don't you go get some lunch somewhere? Or why don't you go to the mall or do something? So I was like, okay, fine. She never does that, by the way. And so I was, must have been like really obnoxiously anxious. And so I went to the mall, and I got a nice pair of jeans, and that was fine. <laughs> but then I went to the surgery, and by the time Hillary came and picked me up, and they gave me drugs and knocked me out for the next 16 hours straight, and I realized that there was like a 24-hour period where I wasn't with my family. And the hours leading up to me going in, it was, you know, a day off, and I, and I was completely not present in any way with my kids and my wife. Now, I say that because that's like, a, that's like a small instance, right? It's a small thing, but it exposes a much larger problem than many of us have, that our worries and anxieties and fears about some potential future are ripping us out of the present moment and we're not trusting god and we're settling for less than what he has for us decide where you will put your trust here's the fourth here's the fourth theme that i see your focus is simpler verse 31 jesus continues he says don't worry about these things saying what will we eat what will we drink what will we wear These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, people who don't trust in God, but your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. So seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. So don't let your mind run in that direction. Instead, intentionally run in God's direction and pull yourself back with simple prayers that say, God, I trust you. God, you are bigger I am with you. You are with me. You have my back. And I will run in this direction. I will seek. I will seek the things that matter to you. At the end of the day, you always know what matters to God. Because Jesus said it boils down to the very most simplest fundamental thing of this love God and love people. That's what Jesus said. The whole Bible, if you boil it down, it's that. All the prophets and all the commandments and all the stuff you can just reduce to love God with all that you are and love people. So. When you're looking to see what does it mean to seek God's kingdom, it comes down to that. How do I leverage who he has made me to be for the sake of other people? And you're about his business. Verse 34, so don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. God knows what you need tomorrow. He says, why don't you just live today? in this moment, right now. So think about the things that would be on your list and where they would fall. And how much of that can you assign a different name and just call it what it is, which is tomorrow. Tomorrow. And you serve a God that is outside of space and time. He is not limited to the clock and the calendar like you are. He is the only one that you can trust with tomorrow because you can't see the future. He sees it already. You do not. It would be idiotic to try to control it yourself instead of trusting the God who is outside and who sees then and past and right now all like it's one. You can trust him. You can hand over those worries and just call them tomorrow and say, God, what do you have for me today? I will focus on today. Today is the day that matters. Today is the moment where I can make decisions. Today, in this moment, is the only time when I can contribute, when I can be a part of whatever it is that you are doing in the world around me focus on today. You can say, I'll deal with my tomorrow's trouble tomorrow. God, what do you have for me today? I have a niece named Lucy. She's 10 years old. And uh, my brother, my my younger brother, Josh, he's got like 14 kids. And uh, no, he's got five though. And uh, Lucy is... Lucy's the oldest. She's 10, and she, uh, she has recently gotten into theater, and so uh, Josh signed her up for the local performing arts deal, and so she has uh, these theater events, these shows that she's been participating in, and at first, she was just in the ensemble, just kind of singing as a part of the choir, and, and then she started to get a little bit more, like a little speaking role here, and then in a more recent show, she was the lead. And she had solos and speaking lines, and she was so excited. She took it very seriously, and she took home the script and and the lyrics, and she memorized everything and prepared. and, And then she's laying in bed at night before the day of the first show. And my brother Josh kind of prays with her and kind of puts her down before bed, and she says, Daddy, I'm so worried about tomorrow. And Josh says, why are you worried, Lucy? She says, well, what if I mess up? And Josh says, well, Lucy, you've prepared. You're ready for this. Oh, and by the way, this is supposed to be fun. You're supposed to enjoy it. You are prepared. It'll be great. Even if you do mess up, it doesn't matter. It has nothing to do with your value. You're, you're, You're fantastic as you are. This is just supposed to be fun. And so whatever he said to her along those lines it gave her enough peace that she fell asleep. She woke up the next day, went to school, you know, did whatever, and then in the afternoon was the show. And so she's ready, she's so excited. After all, this is the first time that mom's letting her wear makeup. And she has her costume, she's backstage, she's getting ready to go on. She's Everyone places, places, and she gets to the front right about here on a stage like this. The curtains open, the lights are bright, the room is dark, and she panics. She doesn't recognize anybody. She can't really see. All she knows is that the lights are so bright, and there's these little lights everywhere where people are filming on their cameras, and she just starts to freak out a little bit. And my brother, her dad, can see it happening And he stands in the back and he shouts out, Lucy, you got this. And she got a little courage together and she stepped into it and she started to sing. And once she started, she realized it was okay and that she had prepared and that she did have this and that it was going to be okay. And she settled in and had a great show and actually enjoyed it. I wonder if that's a good little picture for you and I, that the curtains come back and it's just darkness climbing, crowding in on us or the lights are too bright or we're not sure if we're prepared enough or we're not sure if we're going to screw up too much and we start to panic and we're worried about what people think. We're worried about how it's going to go and if stuff's going to come together and how this is going to work out and how this person's going to be okay or not and we hear Our Father, shouting from the darkness, you got this. I'm with you. You're prepared for such a time as this. Sing your song. Because now is the only moment that you can do it. Now is the only time that you have. Sing your song. By the way, this is supposed to be fun. Don't be worried about what may or may not happen tomorrow. Just call that tomorrow and sing your song today. John 14, 1 and 27 says this. Jesus says to his disciples, don't be worried. Have faith in God and have faith in me. I give you peace. The kind of peace that only I can give. It isn't like the peace that this world can give, so don't be worried or afraid. You know, the interesting thing is that those same disciples continued to be worried for quite some time. You can read it all through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They're worried every turn. They're on a boat. They're worried. The storm comes up. They're worried. They run out of food. They're worried. People are angry at Jesus. They're worried. They're worried about how they're going to measure up, if they're going to be at a higher place or a lower place. They're worried how this whole thing is going to play out. They're constantly worried until one thing happens, until Jesus goes to a cross and he dies, and a couple of days later raises from the dead and comes back to life. And then they see him, and then they touch his scars, and they have a meal with him, and he talks with them, and he says, see, guys, this is what I've been getting at it turns out you don't have to worry about anything because you can catastrophize this whole deal and play it to the worst case scenario, which is going to be death. And death has been dealt with. And death is not the end. And if there's a resurrection, it's a game changer. It changes everything. And you don't even have to be afraid of death. What is there to worry about? And I imagine the disciples, they wake up the next morning on Monday and they're pinching each other and they're saying, hey, is this real? Did that just, I mean, I just got to make sure. Did he really rise from the dead? The Jesus, yeah, it's real. He did it. Okay, then. Here we go. I've got nothing to worry about. Because if death isn't even a factor, then what do I have to worry about? And then weeks and months and years, waking up morning after morning, okay. He rose, right? He, like he's alive, right? Because if he's alive, then I don't have worries. Friends, if the resurrection is real, then what do you have to worry about? If death isn't even the end, then everything else along this spectrum, you can let go. You can just call it tomorrow. God, you got this. I'm going to focus on today. So would you reflect for a moment on this visual? Recognizing that this cross changed everything and that because Jesus died on a cross and rose from the dead, It's a game changer, and you don't have to be afraid anymore. And in fact, when it comes down to the little real life worries and concerns that you and I wrestle with, you can assign them one of two categories on this same cross. You can call it today. Is this something that requires preparation and planning and my activity to engage with what God is doing today? Then I'm on it. If not, I call it tomorrow. And I'll leave it up to him because he's the one who operates out of space, outside of space and time. He's the one who's ultimately in control, not me. So God, you rose from the dead, right? Okay, then you got this because I don't. I'm just going to live today in this moment, in this time, in this space. And I'm going to do my best to participate with you in whatever you're doing today and I'll trust you with the rest. Reflect on that. Look at your own life. Examine it. What do you need to own today? And then what can you hand off and just trust God with and call tomorrow? Think about that, and then we're going to respond with a song.